0: Turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter number 85. Psalm chapter 85. Now, I, I, I keep records, I guess, like every preacher, uh, past messages. And uh, I preached a sermon from this text uh, many, many years ago when I was here. But God has given me a subsequent message. Uh, the, the other message I preached before was a expository uh, sermon, an exposition of Psalm 85. But today, it will be a textual sermon three types of sermons there's a there's a topical sermon where a preacher preaches on a topic and and because of the topic you have to use a lot of verses as references and then there's an expository sermon which I normally try to do as mother Tim does preach through a book or preach through a text of verses even as I tried to do back at the choir room a few moments ago and then there is a textual sermon which is really based on just one verse and that's our our uh, situation this morning Psalm 85 and verse 6 will be our text for the message today. So it won't take us long to read this. If you have Psalm 85 and verse 6, do you have it? If you do, say amen. 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 I'm preaching this morning a message entitled, Three Vital Questions, Three Important and Vital Questions Pertaining to Revival that I believe we draw from verse number 6. Look at it with me in verse 6. Psalm 85, 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Now, church, notice the punctuation of that verse. Notice the punctuation. is what It's a question mark. The psalmist is asking a question. That's the, uh, the idea for the sermon. Let's, le- let's read it again. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? I want us to read it this time. Let's read it aloud together, okay? I'm reading from the King James uh, duct tape version here. <laughs> this one's about to fall apart. It's the duct tape version, you can tell, but it's the King James. Let's read it if you have that. It says, together, wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And that's our prayer and our text today. Father, we thank you for the music. We thank you for the songs of praise congregationally and those from our Children, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to serve once again at the home church. I thank you for Brother Tim Pollack. I thank you for his precious, precious family that we love like our own for these many years. And I thank you for this church family that is always such an encouragement to to be with. Lord, thank you for what you're doing here in this great area between uh, Sacramento and Stockton. Lord, we thank you for the outreach of this church, not only in this in this area and surrounding counties but God across the globe uh, because of their missions outreach. Lord, this this uh, church is having such an impact on your kingdom. Thank you for the burden and the vision you put on Brother Tim's heart many, many years ago to start this church, and thank you for how you've blessed this place through the years. We pray again for your blessings upon this hour. I pray for those watching by means of Internet and uh, the technology that's available, those possibly in the hospital rooms or... home ill or having to work or uh, in an office uh, today wherever this is being listened to and and watched I pray you'll bless those there and then thank you for our guests here this morning that are visiting the home church and those that are faithful members God thank you for your people today. Lord we thank you for how you blessed the services there in Modesto Friday night and what you did in Sacramento there yesterday and so we give you praise for this wonderful day. Take now the word of God would, Lord, do heart surgery on us? I pray that, God, you'll revive and stir every Christian. And, Lord, you'd save the soul of that one that's listening that's lost today. May they see their need to know you as their Savior. And we'll thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Three vital questions on revival. I have some quotes about revival that I think I need to share with you before I begin dealing with this text about revival. Dr. J. I. Packer said this about revival. He said revival is the visitation of God which brings life to Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's uh, near presence and holiness. Dr. Ed Heinson said years ago, revival is a renewed sense of zeal among God's people, causing them to more fervently serve the Lord. Dr. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill, the great evangelist, said, "Revival is worthwhile at any price." While we, while all are as, we are all as spiritual. Dr. H- Ravenhill said, "We are all as spiritual as Christians as we want to be." That is the truth. You're as close to Jesus this morning, beloved, as you desire to be. And of course, there, uh, the president of our state convention there in. Texas said this about revival. Doctor Todd Coote said, "Revival is the byproduct of the Holy Spirit, bringing spiritual, bringing back spiritual vitality to the church, and that's certainly the need of this hour." Amen. And so, with those quotations in mind, I want us to consider three questions for our time that remains this morning. Question number one is, "Can we have revival?" Can we have a spiritual awakening? And again, one of the one of the quotations I missed missed out of because the the whole goal of revival, in a in a heart, in a home, in a church like this, the whole goal of revival is that a revival, whether it's personal in our home or in our church, will result in a spiritual awakening. In other words, a, a personal revival, a family revival, a church revival, but when that happens. In enough areas, in enough hearts in an area, then you see a spiritual awakening that not only affects Christians, but enables us to have a great impact upon the lost around us. And if there's ever a need for that to happen, that need is now in America. Amen. The greatest need this nation has is for God to revive us and stir us. And that was the heart cry of the psalmist. When he said, Lord, wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? And so question number one this morning, can can that even happen? Can we really have revival in 2023? Well, if you ask some people, uh, even some denominational leaders, some pastors, some theologians, I hear them say no. I hear it, and uh, it's, been, it's been said for a good while now. People say, no, uh, those who've lost hope and lost faith that things are too bad, things are too far gone, they say it can't happen, all oh, those days are over with, uh, people don't care about that. The guys a popular preacher down there in Southern California that wrote the book about 40 years ago taught, telling churches not to have revival meetings because they're not relevant, they're not contemporary, they're not modern, they're not hip, they're not cool. And so, uh, uh, coming from a Southern Baptist church background, I can speak for the numbers in our convention that because of that book that the guy from South uh, South California wrote that impacted so many Southern Baptist churches, by the way, he's a guy that we just dealt with as a a convention and and, uh, uh, corrected him for ordaining women preachers, ordaining women preachers, and the church would not allow him to uh, be a part of the, in good fellowship with the convention until he repudiated that belief. Because, uh, but anyhow, he said don't have revivals because they don't work. Well, that's what, that's what some people's opinion is. But others would say, no, we don't believe revival can happen uh, because, uh, where the, eschatologically speaking, they we're in the last days. Uh, in the last days, times are hard. There'd be a great falling away and that is true there is a great fun way happening in some circles but you'll never read in the bible where jesus said in the last days that the church should not be the as a matter of fact if you read first thessalonians chapter five the bible says while the darkness is prevalent and persistent and pervasive in these last days that he said the church needs to be the light in this darkness amen and so but some say no i've given up This this done in the town oh it can't happen we don't. We can't. Ha- it can't happen. The guy down there said because it's uh, not modern enough, and the, another guy says because things are too bad, and uh, someone else said we can't have revival. Well, because they don't last. I heard uh, people. I heard that for my forty-nine years of ministry, they say, "Well, revivals. We have them, but they don't last." And Doctor Vance Haver used to say about that, "Neither does a bath, <laughs> but most of us need one every once in a while." Amen. I enjoyed a nice shower in the facilities out here this morning, amen. I mean, revival may not, I mean, it, 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 they may, you know, you have revival and the, the revival fire, revival in the instance may wane, but then you can just, like you do a bath, have another one, amen. So I want to answer that question, number one, with unequivocal answer of yes, beloved, we can have revival in 2023. And I'll tell you why, it's not based on my opinion or my preference or my want to, it's based on the Word of God. Number one, I know that we can have revival because the scriptures have not changed that pertain to revival. I remind you, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. it's still in the Word of God. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God said to, to Solomon, then will I hear from heaven, then will I forgive their sin, then will I heal their land. I'll tell you what America needs tonight. America, today, this morning, America needs the healing touch of God on our nation. Amen. 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 That's still in the Bible. Oh, some would say over oh, well, the theologians, well, that was written to Israel. Listen, I like what Dr. Dr. Ed used to say about those words. Yeah, it might have been written to Israel, but it was written for our benefit. Amen. I mean, that's a timeless principle. That might have been written exactly, you know, particularly to Israel, but that's a verse that is timeless, that is still applicable today. And then, of course, Isaiah 57, 15 is still in the Scriptures. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive, there's the word, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And then I love the verse over there to the great prophet of Habakkuk. You remember Habakkuk when he wrote this in chapter 3 of his prophecy in verse 2. O Lord, I, was, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known in wrath remember mercy. I'm telling you, God's word hasn't changed, and I know, Jeff, we can have revival because the word of God never changes. Amen. Amen. And then there's a second reason I know we can have revival because not only the scriptures on revival haven't changed, but the source of revival hasn't changed. Look at our text. He says in verse 6, the psalmist, look who the psalmist realized was the source of revival. He says, Lord, wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. The psalmist was looking heavenward. He wasn't looking to himself. He wasn't looking to the people. He knew what we need to know today. Only God can revive your heart. Only God can lift up the fallen. Only God can restore victory in the life of his people. Amen. But never doubt God can, is able, and has always been the source of great revivals. Thank the Lord. Yes, we can't have revival because the Lord hasn't changed. He is the source of revival. In America, for instance, there have been four great awakenings, historically documented awakenings, spiritual awakenings I mentioned a while ago, where revival in a particular setting, a particular time became so powerful that it affected the entire nation of America. And I can mi- mention before, I want to mention a fifth one that was regional that happened in Texas. For instance, in 1930 1736, during the ministry of the great Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards. This was before America was an independent nation. The colonies were established up there in the northeastern part of our nation. And people came and had been faithful to God, but there began to be a a spirit of decline and a spirit of backsliding, a a, a waning, a, a lessening of the love for Jesus. And God raised up a man in those early days of our nation's history in 1736, it's called the First Great Awakening because it was the first one. And Jonathan Edwards preached great sermons like sinners in the hand of an angry God. And he came in there preaching the truth of God. And you know what happened? There was such a turning to the Lord that historically it was documented that those colonies, the vast majority of the people that was known as modern-day America at that time, turned to the Lord. There was a great awakening that happened in 1736 in America. And I can say praise God for that, but I'll tell you who did it. You know who did that? The Lord did it. He did that. The second great awakening was in 1797. This was after the War for Independence. This was after we'd become a free nation from the British Empire. And it was in 1797, another great awakening came early days of the American life and that revival was so powerful I can tell you how powerful it was because of some major things that came out of the second great awakening because I hear these people that, that don't believe in revival say well they don't matter it doesn't make a difference I'll tell you this, this much this is documented you know Wednesday night prayer meeting you know where Wednesday night prayer meeting came from I love Wednesday night prayer meeting I love Wednesday night church churchwide wide Bible study at our church at lake Fork baptist church back there in beautiful east texas i wish y'all could come see us and i wish you could just load y'all up on the 747 and bring every one of you out there to eat some good mexican food out there in east texas anyhow at lake Fork baptist church uh... uh I, I'm t- what i'm trying to say is that god has brought uh, great services on wednesday night we have preaching on wednesday night we have choir practice on wednesday night we have youth services on wednesday night we have sunday school preparation on wednesday night we have prayer meeting on Wednesday night, prayer meeting. Wednesday, I just love prayer meeting. I love Wednesday night midweek service. Did you ever wonder where'd that come from? How did that get started? I mean, when did Brother Jeff, it doesn't say, thou shalt meet on Wednesday night. No, it doesn't say that in scriptures. but it's something that most of us who've grown up in the Lord around the house of God, it's all we've ever known, but I never knew until several years ago that, The Wednesday night prayer services that have been so meaningful even to the life of this church started as a result of the second great awakening in America in 1797. I'd say praise God for that. Don't tell me revival meetings don't make a difference because all that's happened to our, our Christian life as a result of what happened in a revival meeting years ago. But a second result of the second great awakening was Sunday school. You just finished the Sunday school hour. We had a great time in the choir room, and you had the young people and children. Cody's two little girls—I'm so amazed—they just love going to church Sunday school. I love it that my grandkids love going to Sunday school. Most of us heard about Jesus really for the first time as we were children in Sunday school. Amen. That's the Sunday school is the greatest evangelistic hour in the church for all ages. We've grown in Sunday school. We've been blessed. I grew up in a large church there at First Baptist Dallas. And at that time, we had 12,000 members. And you say, well, how, you could get lost in a church that big. You know why you didn't get lost? Because in Sunday school, everybody had connection. Every, every age group, every people, every person in the church had a, an outreach arm to their lives and their home. To Wednesday night prayer meeting was a result. And the blessings of church Sunday school. Both of those came out of the second great awakening. And for that, I say, thank you, Jesus, amen. But there's a third great awakening. By the way, just like the first great awakening, God did it. You know what happened in 1797? How would that happen? God did that, amen. God brought that great awakening to America in 1797. The third great awakening was in 1857. They're called the Fulton Street Prayer Revival. It began on September the 23rd in 1857 in the heart of a a Presbyterian pastor named Jeremiah Lanthier. He was pastored in the great city of New York. And I've had the privilege of preaching for Lewis Nims there many times in Staten Island. And Christopher, my son over here, my piano player, loves to go to New York for whatever reason. You need to go there, but... Not a place you want to live, I don't think. But anyhow, it's an amazing city. But this, back in 1857, this uh, Presbyterian pastor saw a waning and saw a a a deadening of the church, and just a not a lot of faithfulness, not a lot of fire, and the morals were declining, and the city was declining. And so he began with a burden for revival, and he stood in his pulpit that Sunday before. And he challenged his people in 1857 in downtown New York, rather than go to lunch tomorrow, let's meet here at the church and pray for God to bring revival to our city and to our nation. The first day, 14 people in New York City skipped lunch and met the pastor for prayer. They prayed through the lunch hour. The second day, 23 people came. They prayed through the lunch hour. The next day, 45 people showed up. It's documented, showed up and prayed for revival. And each day of the week that followed, the crowds began to multiply and to enlarge. And it wasn't too many weeks before every noonday, over 6,000 people were missing lunch, coming and crowding around that church. They couldn't all get in there, praying for God to send his reviving power to our nation. And you know what happened? God answered their prayer. It's still called, in church, American church history, it's still called the uh, Fulton Street Presbyterian Church, the Fulton Street Prayer Revival. It was a documented, a spiritual awakening in America. These guys that say it can't happen. It's already happened before. But you know who did it? The source of revival did it. God did it, amen. The last great awakening was in 1904, it's called the Great Welch Revival. Many of you would say very long you've heard about the Great Revival. It's it's the last, it's the last spiritual awakening, the great nationwide awakenings of the poor. We haven't really had one like that. We've had some close to it, through the ministry of Dr. Billy Graham. But the last re- nationally recognized spiritual awakening in America happened in nineteen oh four during the ministry of the great evangelist Billy Sunday and during the ministry of the great preacher R.A. Torrey. That revival in America happened because across the Atlantic, it started there in a Sunday school room in the countryside of Wales. It's documented, I've read it, that on a Saturday night about nine high school kids, listen to me young people, here's why you're so important. And you can notice a lot of movements that turned people to God started with our youth. That's the truth. Nine young people on a Saturday night, what we would call a fellowship meeting in a country church out in the countryside of Wales. Here's where their Welsh revival that touched America started. Nine young people met in the back of a Sunday school building and they had, uh, they called it a Christian endeavor meeting. That's what they called a Christian endeavor meeting. They had refreshments, they read scripture, And they had prayer. But before they prayed, a young girl, a young teenage girl, I see many here today, young ladies, (laughs) who said to this group of fellow students and to the leaders of that meeting that night, said, before we pray, I just want to say how much I love Jesus. I, I so love Jesus tonight. And when that young lady said that, They said that it's like the hand of God, the power of God filled that room. And as those young people prayed, the Spirit of God revived them and stirred them such that when they left that building that night, they were different than they came. They went to their homes and their moms and dads that Saturday evening, saw a change in their young people. They couldn't figure out what happened. But God had obviously done something in their teenage hearts. Well, the next morning, they gathered for church at the country church. And because of the revival spirit that was on those young people they had new fire had revival fire break out of that church the next morning. The preacher didn't even get to preach. The altar field and revival began to fill that church and it built there for weeks and then it be- that revival spirit began to spread across the countryside in this town, in this hamlet, in this town and revival spread across the countryside. Then the revival moved into Wales. The nation, the whole nation got on fire for God and then it, it began to affect other parts of of, of, of Great Britain, and, uh, the, the entire part of the country, and the revival began to spread across Egypt, across Europe, rather. And then uh, it was heard about in America. This, was, this is how the revival came to America. Uh, it, this is all documented. A, a, uh, a reporter from the Chicago Tribune went across the Atlantic, took a boat, and to go write a story about this religious phenomenon called revival taking place in Wales. And when he got to one of the major cities where the revival was happening, this reporter, I can get a picture of the Clark Kent guy with a pencil in his ear, you know, walking around like with his pad trying to find something to write about. He didn't know even where to go. So as he walked down the streets that day, he ran into a traffic, a Bobby, a traffic policeman in his uniform. And the reporter said, sir, I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm from America, across the ocean. And I have been sent here to write a story about this revival, this, this revival happening in your country. Sir, can you tell me, where can I find this revival? And the story is, the policeman pointed to his uniform and his heart. He said, sir, you can find the worst revival in this uniform, for I too have got right with God. For I, too, have got right with God. Oh, I get Holy Spirit chill bombs thinking about that happening in America. That's what needs to happen in America. Amen. That revival was so phenomenal in Wales. I've got just a couple of minutes. I won't go over time, Luke. Pastor, I, I promise you that there was a, a, you know, they were all coal miners. All their main energy back then was coal. And everybody would work, the men work in the coal mines, and they didn't have you know these big drag lines and big big tractors and shovels tractor shovels they did, they 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 harvested the coal with picks and axes and shovels and they drove wagons pulled by mules down into the pit of the into the edge of those tunnels and they would load the coal that the people used to to, to heat their homes and and other energy sources they would put the coal on these wagons and these and these wagon masters these would would Called and, and command these teams of mules, six or eight mules at a time, would drag those loads of coal up the ramp, and out to, up out of the hill, and to the cities where they were needed. But something happened. You see, that wealth revival that started in the countryside began to touch every area, every facet of of the of the of the culture of the nation. And I tell you, it happened even in the in the cities. They said the brothels, the saloons, the liquor. Uh, barons went out of business because the revival was so powerful that nobody was buying liquor anymore. Nobody was frequenting the brothels anymore. But it also affected, believe it or not, this is true, affected the economy because it affected the coal industry. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Here's what happened. Those coal mule team drivers that commanded the mules to pull the coal out of to get it to the streets of the homes, it's documented they had some of the most vile tongues. Their vocabulary was atrocious. They would take God's name in vain. They would curse. They had, in other words, those mules. Even though they were dumb animals, knew the voice of that of that of that coal uh, mule team driver, and they prefaced apparently their commands to turn left or turn right by taking God's name in vain. Blankety blank this, or blankety blankety blank left, or blankety blank, and the mules knew that voice, knew that vocabulary. But when the revival came, those men that were formerly using curse words, they quit cursing like a bunch of infidels. And they, they took the cursing out of the vocabulary, and those poor mules didn't have a clue what to do then because they were so used to hearing the curse words. I'm not kidding you, friend. Even there they, they was the cloud in coal production because they couldn't get the mules to get the whole coal out of the ground. You know what that is? That's revival. Beloved, that's what America needs. We can talk about the fentanyl problem. That's, That's my second point. The first question is, can we have revival? Let me get off that first point and close very quickly. Listen, you know who did that in 1904? You know who affected that coal production? You know who shut down those brothels? You know who stopped that liquor drinking? I tell you who stopped all the violence in that nation. It was the Lord. The Lord did that the Lord can bring revival. Yes, preacher, we can have revival because God hasn't changed. His word hasn't changed. The Savior hasn't changed. Number two, do we need revival? Do we need revival? Can I just ask you, in America, looking where we are as a nation, do we need the help of God today? That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? Rhetoric is, rhetorical question is ask a question that is so obvious, the answer is so obvious, it answers itself. So we all agree that yes, we can have revival. But I guarantee you, it won't take long to preach this point. We all agree we need revival. You see, we've already seen what God can do when revival comes. And we, ha- we de- all these issues we're dealing with, I mean, the fentanyl crisis is real. They're, they're bringing those drugs across the. We, we have a friend the other day that his, his daughter died. Uh, she was taking other drugs, and they're lacing this fentanyl. I don't know why the drug dealers are thinking they're killing people. They put just a little bit of fentanyl in these, trying to give people a little extra high. And they're overdosing like crazy. Thousands, thousands are dying because, but my question is, why after all these years, I mean, when I remember as the 60s, sixth child of the 60s, you remember Janice Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and, some of the rock icons. They died because of drugs back then. This is two thousand and twenty-three. And people are still killing themselves with drugs. Why are people taking these drugs in the first place? Because of they're hopeless without God. They're godless and they have no hope and they have no strength. But the devil's lying to them to think that they can get some help from a drug. A drug addiction is killing our nation. Yes, we need revival. Yeah. That will dis- that will destroy the 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 boom of God will destroy the drug industry. Amen when God when God saves us he changes our want to he changes our appetite amen and when people get saved they really do get saved and they seek the Lord. the crime do we need revival think about the crime issue Nance having said we could put a man on the moon but it's not safe to walk in the park. Yes we need revival. think about the corruption, the evil, the anger the, the hatred oh this nation is a festering sore. But I'm glad there's a bomb in Gilead. His name is Jesus. I'm glad there's a cure for the hopelessness of this world. His name is Jesus. Yes, we do need revival. Hey, listen, it's easy to point fingers on Hollywood and the world. Let me tell you something, friend. Revival is for the people of God. Revival is what happened in the hearts of God's people. I want to say this. I'm going to preach because I'm, I'm, I'm done. I want to tell you this much. Revival doesn't start out there. Revival starts right here. Revival starts right here. We're the answer. There's enough church. According to, to all the polls, there's enough people in America that claim to be Christians that if that many people were to get on fire for God, like the Bible's talking about here, this nation can be changed overnight. And that's what I'm praying for. Yeah. But Tim, I'm praying for the kind of revival that will be like a tsunami wave across this nation of spiritual power and that every darkness, every evil, every addiction, every act of violence, every gang member, every porno king, the whole thing will get swept out because Jesus is going to change our hearts, and we won't need that stuff anymore. Somebody say amen. 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 Can we have revival? Yes. Do we need revival? Outside looking at the culture, we say yes. But what about inside? Would you answer that question? Do you need revival? And I would say, many of us, if we'd be honest, would say, yes. I need revival today, preacher. But the question is, the last question, I'm not going to preach this because I never intended to preach the last question. The last question is, will we have revival this morning? I intentionally preached on can we have revival. I intentionally preached on do we need revival? But the last question, I did not intend to preach this at all because I'm going to let you answer that question. Will we have revival? I can't answer for you, but I can answer for me because I hunger. I hunger, to be, I hunger to be closer to Jesus. I hunger to be more on fire for him. I hunger to be a better Christian. I hunger to be a better dad. I hunger to be a better Christian husband. I hunger to be a better Christian citizen. I'm to be a better Christian servant. Oh, I want to be close to Jesus. I love him. I thank you for what he's brought me. But I, I know he's still working on me. And guess what, church? Christians, he's still working on all of us. Amen. You're completely saved. But I want to be more sanctified. Amen. I want to be more consecrated. I want to be more dedicated. I want to be closer to the Savior than I am right now. It can happen. And it will happen if we make up our minds. Like I said at the beginning of this sermon, every one of us, regardless of our age, from the top to the bottom floor, every one of us, if we're saved, we are as close to Jesus right now as we want to be. And we can say yes, and I hope you will say yes in a moment. Or we can do, like this motel sign. You, you see these, you know, if you stay at a hotel or a motel, they have these signs you can put on the door. This one just says, Hanging on the door, you know what that means? Do not disturb me. Don't wake me. Don't knock on the door. Don't give me towels. Don't clean up my room. I just want to be left alone. Don't bother me. But the opposite side will say, "maid service, please. (laughs) Maid service, please. This thing is a mess, and I need some clean up. I need some clean up help." I can't do this myself. I need you to come in and help me. Now, there's two sides of that sign. Are you willing to say, "Lord, come in and do a work, a fresh work in me today," or is your answer going to be, shh, shh, "Lord, don't disturb me. I want my way." That's why America's in the shape we're in. Let's turn to Him today, regardless of how long you've been saved. Let's draw. He said, if I, he draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto us. Let's stand
1: for prayer. Our we hope you enjoyed
0: listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.